0: Hey, uh, I, I would say nice to meet you, but I um, don't believe in time
1: as a concept, so I'll just say we always met. Peace and love, everyone. Welcome to the Day One's podcast. Thank you so much for your ears whenever you're listening to us. My name's Justin and the honored none. And I'm Antonio. And I want to start this episode off with a bit of transparency. We've had this particular episode recorded for a few weeks now. And we were planning on dropping it as a part of a two-part interview series that we did on the prison system. Unfortunately, the Stephon Clark shooting happened, and that forced us to push this interview forward. For those of you unaware of the details, on March 18th, Stephon Clark was gunned down by police in his grandma's backyard. Officers thought he had a gun. Turns out it was his cell phone. And I've been particularly affected by this, as I know you have, man.
2: Absolutely. My,
1: my heart goes out to all the injustices,
2: all the similar incidents that have been happening over the years, that have attracted media attention over the years, and not to take anything away from those situations at all. But it's one thing when you hear it happen within your own city, the area in which Stephen Clark was shot and killed was an area that I I frequent a lot. I'm, I have specific memories tied to that uh, neck of the woods. I believe Justin, me and you shared a story in a previous episode about our interactions with the police in that same area. Mm-hmm. It's I can say firsthand that there's a lot of emotions that are running throughout the city of Sacramento
1: People are hurt. People are looking for answers. I think back to when I was growing up in Meadowview and how my grandmother's house was the central hub for our family. And Mm. everyone could come and go as they wished. Um, Grandma just provided us with that kind of love. And when the front door wasn't open, we could always go through the back gate enter through the back door everybody knew how to get in and i just think about how that could have been you know of course just as a human stefan clark is my brother but i think about how that could have been somebody in my direct family and it just it crushed me man it's it's heavy to to take in
2: especially when you hear more and more details as far as how he was shot where he was shot and i believe this platform itself, this this podcast that we have, we should use it to generate some type of dialogue that at least moves towards positive steps of action. And I think that's something that hopefully we have on hand with our next guest. Certainly. So Trey Johnson was a former police officer with the Colorado Springs Police Department actually grew up in Sacramento, South Sacramento, he was awarded the Medal of Valor before he ultimately decided to lead the police force. And so he has a perspective that I think that we can gain a lot from, and hopefully you can too. Without further ado, uh, please welcome Trey Johnson. Trey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, Tone, man? Welcome. What's
0: going on, Justin? Uh, thanks for having me, yo. I been feel- we appreciate having you on, yeah, brother. I've been telling, well, i told Tone, I ain't tell you, but man, you guys should have been done this podcast, so it's, man, it's an honor, you know, for me to be on your show. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited.
2: Nah, we excited to have you. So, um, I guess to get things started, first and foremost, this is a day one's podcast, so we got to start things off with the day one related question. As far as the, being a police officer, being a policeman, what was, what was day one in which you decided that's a field that. I want to pursue, get into. I went to
0: Link University. Um, that's actually the first historical black college ever. So, you know, do your research on that. Everybody. <laughs> yep. Um, and I studied criminal justice. So, um, you know, I, 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 I wanted to maybe become a lawyer. Um, I was thinking about the FBI. I was thinking about a whole bunch of different stuff. But um, I took my LSAT and I realized real quick that law wasn't going to be for me. So, you know, I wanted to do the FBI or the DEA route. Okay. So I decided, okay, what's, you know, what's the logical step for me? And the most logical step was to become a police officer, work my way up. So, you know, that's, that's how that all came about, really.
1: As a kid, you grow up and you see police officers and you sort of see them as heroes. And that becomes jaded at a young age for, for black youth, I feel oh, like. Oh, for sure. And I remember having a particular conversation with my mom when I was maybe five or six what she was telling me, how I need to interact with the police. So was there any of that for you as a kid? And did that affect your desire to, you know, major in criminal justice and pursue being in, in law enforcement in any way?
0: Yo, that's a really good question and it's kind of funny because actually growing up I didn't even know any police officers. You know what I mean? The most that I knew about police officers was on TV and you know I'm a big movie TV guy if anybody knows me and what I always want to do was help people. I've always been that guy like that people would come to for their problems. And um, I looked at a police officer as somebody who helped people. I didn't know any police officer personally or even really interact with police officers like that. Unless, you know, it was like at school or something. And they were like, the you know, the campus police. So it's kind of a different whole different grime. Um, but I just wanted to help people. So, you know, that, that that's where I was at with it.
1: Hmm.
2: hmm. The, okay, so like how you felt about the police before you even entered the academy, before you even started getting trained versus where you are right now, like that that desire, that that image that you had in your mind, did it did it change?
0: Man, it, for me it changed a lot, you know what I mean? Um if you're looking to, you know, be a police officer cuz you want to help people, That's not really what police officers really do. You feel me? Like you're going to run into people who you're going to help, I guess, but to actually, you know, be a catalyst for change. You're not going to really do that on a day to day. You know what I mean? Why why is that? Um, so, man, I'm trying to say this. I'm just going to go ahead and say it because a lot of times, man, being a police officer is about given you know you do your patrol thing and then there's the higher level of things where you're you know writing cases for domestic or you know drug cases and things like that but for the most part man you're you're locking up people that really aren't being rehabilitated Mm. you know what i mean so you're gonna so a lot of the people i arrested or ran into were the same people wow you know what I mean? So you're not running into all these brand new people and solving problems. You know what I mean? It's not like a TV show where at the end of the TV show, there's closure. No, this is kind of like an ongoing thing. And I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of guys will get felonies or certain things or get, um, you know, records. They can't really do anything. So their next step is to go right back to the streets. So you're going to see them again. Hmm. It's like a it's cycle. cycle, exactly. It's just like a cycle. So you're not really helping people. You're not really changing people's lives. And I mean, obviously, you know, there's those people who are, you know, oh, from this is my own opinion. You know what I mean? Like everybody else is gonna have their own opinion, but I think the system's kinda broken. You know what I mean? So I I personally didn't feel like I was making a big
2: change in the person's life. That's heavy. <laughs> I'm
0: so yeah. I'm sorry, man. No, I'm, I'm no sorry. but yeah,
2: you know, no, that's that's exactly real. But that's exactly the perspective that we need to hear, especially from someone who saw you. You came in with a very specific mindset to make a change. Yeah. Um, so as someone who, wow, just arresting the same people over and over, um, like, were there any instances where you felt like, OK, I made someone's day better at all?
0: Um, so there was a couple times where and this is like on a small scale, man, but. And this, I guess, this is you know, if you're into this, and that's cool. But like a couple times when there was car accidents, and you know, there was one time there was a car accident, and this little girl, um, she was like probably, I, I'm saying little, look at me, um, she was like probably 20, and she started crying, and I got her out the car, and I helped her, and you know, she was very thankful for that. So you know that that stuff's cool. You know, people gonna look at you, you know, as you know he a hero, and that stuff's cool, man. But that's about it, man. Like, I don't, I didn't really see, man, me personally, I didn't really see where I was helping people. Mm.
1: I was wondering about your time in the academy. Okay. Because, honestly, I don't know too much about what goes into it. Okay. And I would imagine as an outsider, it would seem to be pretty layered and, and you go in depth to a lot of different things right. because of the nature of the profession. Right. You deal with these high-stress situations. Right you think Academy prepared you for those situations or was it attractive in any way I think I think
0: Academy was half effective and half not
1: okay so you know in Academy
0: so I'm just gonna give you a rundown of a basic cadet's life a cadet is a police officer in your training um, my training was uh, it was from March to August it was about six months okay six months maybe a little more maybe a little less okay It's Monday through Friday. They start you at 8. You're done at 5, okay? Throughout that academy, you're going to take a test every week. You're going to get post-certified, which is pretty much peace officer certification. And you're going to go through gun training. You're going to go through physical training as far as combat. And you're also going to go through um, how to write police reports. And what they're going to do is jam that into Six months. Hmm. So when you say, was I was I ready for high stress stress situations? Probably not. But I would say I was ready for the street. You know what I mean? I was ready for mm-hmm. patrolling, ready for you feel yeah. me going out there and turning my siren on, writing tickets, shit like that. Yeah. But as far as being ready for high stress situations, I mean, think about this, man. I think to get your hair to get uh, a cosmetology I think a cosmetology license takes one or two years. So I'm supposed to be ready for to pretty much save niggas lives in six months.
1: Wow. That's so no no de escalation, like what about you see people with mental illness kind of out on the streets. Or is mental illness at all a topic?
0: It, it's it's a topic
1: for sure. It's a topic. And de- de-escalation is
0: a topic, you know, as well. Like is how, how to handle people, how to talk to people. But here's the thing, though. That all that it, it's all goes according to plan in a controlled situation. It's completely different when you're on the street and your life's on the line. Hmm. Hmm. You know, a lot of people don't realize this. And this is what's is. So, you know, when you come home from Iraq and Iran, there's a lot of post-traumatic stress that comes with that. But if for six months people are telling you, yo, this is how cops die. This is how you die. This could happen. That could mm-hmm. happen. Once you hit the street, there's going to be a lot of stress with, you feel me, your day-to-day life. With just pulling people over. With just, you know, doing any type of situation. You are You're always thinking how things could go left so it's it's a it's weird man it's a weird situation i would say but would i say are you ready for the street no but you they're gonna get you ready you're gonna be ready after that first year
1: mm-hmm.
2: as a as a black man that entered the police force um from take me through like your perception or how you felt that you were perceived when you were one going through the academy seeing like like your your classmates versus Also, when you went out on the street and when you went into policing neighborhoods that and saw minorities and how they saw you just as a black cop, like, just tell me, like, how that felt like being in those shoes.
0: For all the listeners out there, Colorado Springs is super duper white. You know what I'm saying? So there's not a whole (laughs) bunch of black people there. But so I'm I'm, at my academy and on the street. I'm the token black guy. Got it. You know, take it how you want it. I'm the token black guy. That's how it is. Um, As far as on the street, you get mixed. You get mixed people. You get people who say, oh, he's a sellout, you know, oh, he's the ops, he's 12, or you get other people that's actually like, okay, like, I feel safer when you're here. So yeah. you get that mixed, you get that mixed bag of people and, you know, you, you could run into both, too. Like, sometimes you could run into situations where um, they're happy to see you and then when the, you're arresting them, you a sellout, you know, so they could flip it real quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, as far as an academy, I was the only black guy in there. So that was weird. Do you
2: think? Do now? Do you think that had an effect on how you did your day job? Um,
0: I would say this, and I don't know if you you know. Let me just. I'm gonna go off on a tangent real quick, and I'm gonna come back. You know, with like full circle for y'all. Okay. So we actually had a speaker come in. Talked about um, minority. Talked about minorities in the academy. Okay, and when he was talking, I realized that most of you know the cadets in the academy had never been around black people. So you're dealing with people who haven't been around black people. So all they really know is what they see on TV or what they hear. Yeah. So what you don't know about, you're scared of
1: true very
2: you
0: true. Know, to the point where you know people were like whoa you're smart or like oh you uh you speak well and it's like damn wait, man it, like, it's to that wait, wait
2: wait it's 2018 you got the you speak well
0: exactly <laughs> exactly but you know what i mean you can't so so i'm gonna bring this back full circle okay so Most jobs and you guys can look online, but most police officers, all you need to have is a GED. You don't need to have a college education. You don't need to have all you need is to pass high school, have a high school diploma or a GED and you can get into a police academy. So what you've got is you've got people, you know, with low level experience. Most of they've only been around people in their neighborhoods and their towns policing an entire area like Sacramento. So you gotta think. You know, we all went to college. College gave us an open mind. You feel me? We we saw different people. We saw different walks of life, and you know, we got more cultured. So you're having people with low level education doing a job that takes high level thinking. Mm. So I think my job in my academy was to show people that, like, yo, black like people are just like you and me. We like Game of Thrones too. That's just right. fire. Right. You know what I'm saying like, <laughs> like normal shit like that. So. Um, I would just say that, like, I would I would just want to you know show them that you know we're like we're regular. You don't have to be scared of us. We're people. Hmm. You don't know what you don't know. You know the if you don't know the whole situation, then don't assume. Ask. Figure it out.
1: What sort of changes do you think need to be made? What advice do you have for both sides? That would lead to, and not just black people, all people of color, um, in dealing with their interactions with the cops. And also, what sort of shit should go into training that would better equip cops with tools to learn how to interact and give those communities what they need? Oh, that's
0: easy. That's that's one of the easiest questions y'all gave me all night. So going for the for the minority side, I stress, man, anybody I talk to, I tell them, go and do a ride along Do a ride along mm-hmm. and do a family academy. A lot of niggas don't really know what police officers do.
2: So what's a what's a uh, sorry to interrupt. What is a family
0: academy? What is that Fab family academy is where you go to the, um, wherever you're at, you know, Sacramento, Denver, Atlanta, you go to the police training facility and you pretty much get a day in the life of a police officer slash a cadet. And you kind of see what they're going through, what the training is, how they're taught. You know what I mean? How, you know, you're supposed to pretty much you're pretty much your you're you're reviewing what it's like to be a police officer or a cadet mm-hmm. so you kind of know what police officers do then after that what you need to do is go do a ride along go do a ride along at your local police station so you can understand what cops are doing because i'm gonna tell you right now a lot of situations can be avoided not to say that they're right but a lot of situations can be avoided if black people minorities anybody just understand how police officers are trained and how you know just kind of what their you know their signals for stress are
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know what i mean like putting your hands in your pocket that's gonna make any cop really uneasy like for us that's normal like you feel me put your hands in your pocket take your hands out it's all normal you know what i mean but for a cop that seems like oh he's got a gun he's got a weapon you know that's how they've been trained to think
2: is that is that like a That is like legit how they talk in the training. Like, hey, when someone reaches for their pocket, it could be a gun.
0: I wouldn't say it like that, but they always tell people you want to see somebody's hands.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: In in any type of training, they're always like, show me your hands, show me your hands. Because you never know what's in the pocket. So you're already in in academy. You're already building post-traumatic stress for certain things.
1: Right, I'm not even yeah. a cop
0: no more, but the first thing I do is when I look at somebody that I don't know or I feel some type of way about, I see his hands are. what his hands—what is his hands doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So, I would say, and it's—it's it's a dope thing to do. Just you know, you feel me, just to get out there. But do a ride along, go do a family academy, figure out what cops do because people don't really know what cops do. And as far as on the other side. I think really what it comes down to is we just got to get more minorities that are cops. We need to get people from the neighborhoods to be police officers, people that understand that area and understand who lived in that area or been around, you know, those blocks to police those blocks. Because if you're not from you got people policing an area that they don't know anything about, they have no connection with the people. So if you have no connection with the people, how can you make a change?
1: So, do you think there needs to be better recruitment in those areas? Because I do see a lot of military recruitment in those sort of areas. you know, right. Marines, Army, but I never—I don't see any police. No, no. yeah, I, I, I think there's got to be better
0: recruitment. Obviously, there's got to be better recruitment. But you know what? We got to, like, us as minorities, we got to kind of, like, make it okay to be a cop again. You know what I mean? Like, I was telling Tone the other day, like i remember when bad boys or uh lethal weapon or was that one movie with uh um uh beverly
2: hills cop beverly
1: hills cop
0: like it was cool to be black and to be a detective or a cop like it was
1: cool
2: the uh didn't the black cop save the day in uh, Die Hard? right the black cop saved uh, winslow (laughs) winslow saved the day and was was so good at it he's like i'm gonna play the same character in family (laughs) (laughs)
0: Matters. no but no like you know real rap though like we gotta make it cool again to be a cop right now it's not really cool to be a cop like it's not like you ain't gonna catch no black kids really wanting to be cops because it's not cool unfortunately that's what it is like that's how you gotta that's how you have to show yourself to the youth like we have to make it cool again so it's gotta be better recruitment we got to figure out a way, man, to get people from those neighborhoods like, you know, the Shining Star G Parkway to, you know, you know, the Del Paso Heights area in Sacramento. Those kids from the neighborhood, that in you know, Grant or Intercom or Florin High or yeah. we got to get people from those neighborhoods to want to be cops, man, because they understand that area. They have a connection with that area. And if you have a connection with something, it's way different from if you just showing up and you know doing doing your little nine to five if you got a lambo to drive around in and it's not yours you ain't got to pay for it if you crash it it don't matter i guarantee you you're gonna drive it a lot different if that's your lambo that you got to pay insurance for and so you know we just got to get better recruitment y'all man we got to get better recruitment and man we gotta we gotta pay cops better because the pay's not great. <laughs> oh word! The pay's trash. I mean, for what for what a cop does, for how long they're away from their families, the pay's not great. You know, so we gotta make it. We gotta appeal to their pockets too. Um, there's gotta be more safe spaces for police officers. Like, I don't care if you're okay. If you're not okay, you need to have a you need to have a psyche valve every year. Mm.
2: So that's not something that happens. No. So, is yeah,
0: like like every year
2: it, so, okay? I, I just had a that's just, just hit a trigger real quick. So, i just making sure on a couple things, getting clearing up a couple things for me and the listeners out there. So, is there ever like a regulatory talk with a therapist or anything? No, not,
0: I've never heard of nothing like that, but I mean, after a certain like you can, you can asked to speak with a the therapist or if you go through a stressful situation then the therapist will speak with you you know what i mean but as far as just meant like mandatory whether you're in the streets or whether you're not in the streets you know whatever you're doing uh, at the like everybody has their end of the year review i don't care what you do you could be working at burger king you're gonna have your end of the year review right Part of that end of the year review for a police officer needs to have a psyche about you You need to sit down with a counselor psychologist make sure you're good and to add to that after about 10 to 15 years of being on the street I don't give a fuck if you're good if you're healthy you need to sit your ass down you need to move from off the street because you're going to be too jaded Mm. you're going to be all the way thinking negative not all the time but i don't you know you can be somewhere in a situation for so long that you need a change and i think you've got police officers who've been on the street patrolling for 20 25 30 years now you got to go sit your ass down and push papers or do move to another <laughs> department you're know saying it don't make no sense that you're doing this same job as when you started to when you finished
2: right you you said earlier uh that not everybody understands exactly what a cop does yeah. if if it's possible and i know i'm putting you on the spot but is it, if it's possible can you give me an example of where you know the the public perception we think a cop acts or is supposed to do one two and three when in reality you guys are told to do something else entirely
0: okay um that's that's a actually that's a damn good question. Let me think of something I could tell you. All right, bet this is this is this is a really good one for y'all. Okay, um, when you get pulled over for a speeding ticket or whatever, maybe you ran a red light, maybe you just didn't use your turn signal to turn, make a right turn. Okay. Right. When you get pulled over, they tell cops. This is the most dangerous situation. Hmm. You know what I mean? When you're going about your business, you you sweating about getting a ticket. When cops get shot or when cops get killed, the most dangerous situation or even hit by cars, the most dangerous situations is when you pull somebody over.
1: Hmm. Is it because of the danger of cars or is it because people get turned up?
0: It's because people get turned up. It's because you don't really know what's inside the car. You're going into it blind. So a cop, any, any cop who has been to Academy is already, once he's doing that, you know, he's got you pulled over and you know, you're, he's doing a traffic stop for you. His stress level is already up. So when he comes to your car, you yelling at him or, you know, giving him attitude is just going to raise that level. Whereas you think like, oh, he's just giving me a ticket. He's being, yo, he's being, he's being a nut ass nigga. Like, you know what I mean? But you don't look at it from his side. Like, yo, he's almost looking at you as a threat to a certain extent. Unless, unless, unless you just go into the, hey, officer, how you doing? But like, if you turn up on him. You know what I mean? You put your hands by your side. If you can't see your, see, see your hands, all the all that stuff is red flags. For those are triggers. And those are triggers.
1: Now, is that approach the same with every with every person? Say you pull over a little nineteen year old white girl. Are police officers going into it like, okay, like she might she might do something, or because I kind. Like, I see how certain people talk to the cops, and I'm like, like I'll never forget. Uh, here's a little story. San Jose State, my freshman year of college. Out with a group of people, majority white. We were drunk as fuck, going through the campus, in the water fountain, you know what I'm saying? On both sides, all of a sudden, cops swoop up. So we sitting there drunk. White homie to my right just starts talking to the cops all kind of ways, and I'm looking at like what, like you could you could talk to the cops like that, and like nothing was done. Versus you know you see other interactions with other people, and it's there's nothing like that, and it goes completely sideways. So like what kind of shit like goes into those? uh, I'm gonna
0: tell you this right here, and this goes for anything. If you're let's say. This sounds terrible. I'm about to just I'm about to just keep it real with you. If you were poli- if you were, if you were a white police officer from from El Grove, California, and you ain't been nothing around white people your entire life, would you feel safer talking to a white person or would you feel safer talking to a black person?
1: That's
0: real. People fear what they don't know. And what they don't understand,
2: man. So s- sadly, uh, you know, the image of uh, either things we see on TV or what we're comfortable with around us—our comfort zone—that nineteen-year-old yeah. white girl isn't just isn't a threat.
0: Yeah, exactly. To certain people. Exactly. But when you see a black man, and you've not really been around black people, you know what I mean you see what you see on mtv mtv raps you see what you see you hear the news man you hear about these super predators called the black man you know what i mean right like Mm. that's what you know man that's what you know and i mean if you've never been around black people that can be scary for you
1: i think a lot of that plays into a lot of the kind of political things that are happening, you know, we kind of assume that certain people should, and I, I guess, you know, there should be certain moral, ethical interactions that people should have about certain groups of people that should just be shared. Um, but, you know, people in middle America, they don't know black people. Right. They don't know people right. of color. They don't know gay people. They don't care about right. those people. So, like, what stake do they have in, in what, what they get? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, this is connected to that. So I was just thinking that... I'd no, that's saying. that's real, though. And that goes with anything. If
0: you don't have... It's very tough for people to care about things that they, you know, have no investment in. I'll give you a great example for me. Um, you know, I grew up in a very Baptist Christian household, okay? And, um, you know, growing up, it was always terrible to be a homosexual. Homo, when I was growing up... I was taught to believe homosexuality was a choice. Well, come to find out, my best friend is um, a homosexual and he's actually in the lifestyle. I no longer believe that it's a choice. I know that you're... That's how, you know, you were... That's how you came about. It's not a choice.
2: And having that open mind to... uh be able to see a perspective that you weren't normally grown exactly. up thinking. You're, exactly. you're, your norm has been never, shifted.
0: Exactly. But I would have never known that perspective if it didn't happen to me. Mm. If I could if I couldn't say like, mm. yo, actually no, my my boy actually I grew up with him my whole entire life. you know what I'm saying like no, it's not a choice.
2: Wow, well um my immediate question is just um we we see and I know the media can be the media, but we can see with our own eyes, it's not always a, a peachy relationship between disenfranchised communities and, and the police force in general. Right. Besides the, the things that we can do as far as getting to learn what, what a cop does, what are things that the cops in place right now, um, what would you recommend to them? You know, let's say, you know, that there is that that one person who was policing a community that they didn't grow up in. What, what would you advise that cop?
0: It is probably asking for too much, but um, when you're off duty and you're not in, when you're not in the uniform, go to, go to an event that's in that neighborhood. Go to a, you know am saying? Go to that, that shopping center. Go to that, you know, Albertsons. Go to, you know, see how see how those people live and interact, man. Just be around them. Without your cop uniform, without, you know, having authority, but just go into it as a human being. You know, show up to show up to the church. You know, every every community has a church around that area. Show up to the high school. Show up to the parent teacher. All that stuff. You know what I mean? Like go into the go into those communities. And figure out what those communities are doing and go and check them out.
1: What were you doing on the force to take care of yourself mentally? Like what sort of hobbies were you into? Or if you had you even had time for Man, that? honestly, when I
0: was on the force, I wasn't taking care of myself mentally. You know, I wasn't
1: really I wasn't
0: really taking care of myself how I should be taking care of myself. But I would say any any anytime you're in situations like that, you gotta talk to somebody about it. Like talking is the best thing. You gotta talk to somebody. Don't keep it inside. You know, I wasn't. I was only in. I would say two or three super duper stressful situations. But those situations changed my life forever. It'll, I'll never be the same. I can still wow. see those things like it was just yesterday. But you gotta talk to somebody about that, man. Like I think as men, we we always want to be tough, but. You got, at a certain point, you got to find somebody that you care, that cares about you and talk to them.
2: That's real. That's real.
1: You said earlier that you were into, watching watch a lot of TV and film. Yeah. Are there any particular shows that you could point to that accurately depict relationships between cops and people or just what being a cop is like?
0: Okay, so I'll tell you this right now. There's this movie called Triple Nine.
2: Yeah, Anthony Mackie.
0: Anthony Mackie, so... I
2: he was in say, he was in this movie called uh, Ten Years.
0: Okay, oh okay. God. So, Triple Nine, like, don't don't look at the plot. Like, the plots are... Like, don't pay attention to the plot, but as far as the tactical <laughs> movements of what those cops were doing, that was dead on. Huh. Okay.
2: Like, okay. when they was, cl- like yeah, when they was clearing that the out. house?
0: Dead yeah. on. When he had the shield up like that? Dead on. That was... Shit, I actually did in academy.
2: Okay. Is there um, as a former cop, uh, I guess transition this to a little bit of a movie chat. As a cop, when you watch things on TV, do you laugh like every single time? You like this? This never happens like this, or this? This is just blown way out of proportion, or like do you, knowing that you were trained a certain way. Um, Is it is it funny to you to see how cops are portrayed on TV? I I think I think it's funny because
0: um, number one, there's a lot more. There's as a police officer, there's a lot of paperwork that nobody ever. You never see cops do paperwork on TV, but there's a (laughs) hell of paperwork you got to do. Like as far as like reports, typing reports, like my G. That's like fifty to sixty percent of the job.
2: Just writing papers.
0: Right, like (laughs) filling out paperwork. Like as far. Oh no. It's not like running gun. You feel me? It's like you actually doing paperwork.
2: Now, so, are we are we talking about talk? typing or like pen on paper paperwork typing? Step that still. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. And I think
0: it's always funny when um they take somebody into custody. Somehow they get a gun. Like somehow the the per the per- perpetrator or the guy the the bad guy in the show gets a gun and ends up shooting somebody or shooting themselves. Like, no, as soon as you get into the police station and you're taking um, you're taking somebody, you know, to be questioned or whatever, you lock your gun up in like an area. So there's nobody grabbing no guns and nothing like that.
2: So no little broomstick uh, reaching out the cell to like uh, get the gun from the waist. Right. The, while somebody's asleep. No, no scenarios right. like that.
0: No, like you lock your gun up like when you're in. When you lock up somebody, or you're questioning somebody, you don't have a gun with you. Hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: That would be stupid. Yeah. Now you fighting over. Now um, you, you were supposed to be questioning somebody, or um, you know, locking somebody up or whatever. Now you fighting them over a gun.
2: That's, that's that actually now you got sounds a, very, na- very now you got embarrassing. A real life and
0: death situation when it could have been real easy. How do you feel now, Dickhead? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I was gonna. Say. <laughs> right, that kind of. I wouldn't want to write write up the paperwork with that. Yeah, so they grabbed my gun and uh, I had to, I had to ask for it back.
1: Or you got shot. Or you got shot. That's even more embarrassing. Getting, getting shot by your own gun just sounds like you got retired. That's that um retired ah. collect that pension.
2: That's a uh, what's that? What's the guy from uh, Eight Mile that did that? Cheddar Bob. That's a cheddar. That's oh, cheddar a cheddar Bob. Bob bro. Yeah.
1: I wanted to ask what your interactions internally with the other police was as a black man? Was there any sort of shape on your way because because you were black, the only black man, or did they respect you? So
0: I actually work, and I'll, and I'll be the first way. one to tell you, like, you know what I'm saying? We, we had a lot, I, I said a lot of negative shit, but as far as Colorado Springs Police Department, they're one of the finest police departments in, you know, the nation. And I know because I applied for several different police departments. So as far as shade and all that, like, nah, like, I work with a lot of good cops. I work with a lot of good cops, Mm -hmm. a lot of good detectives, a lot of good canine units, a lot of good SWAT. Like, just a lot of good people that actually cared about me, cared about, you know, you know, that brotherhood, which they call, you know, the blue line and all that. So there was no shade thrown my way. There was more shade. I would say for real, for real, there was more shade thrown my way in the community. Mm. by people Mm. and i think there was more shade thrown my way by you know people that were my friends or i consider acquaintances you know what i mean so but as far as them like they were real cool good good dudes
2: how real because once again outside looking in um we saw different movements rise up and they're making themselves known and after the Black Lives Matter movement, I, I saw a lot of uh, the Blue Lives Matter, you know, stickers and things and hashtags and things. Um, was that heavy within uh, the people that you interacted with?
0: Um, Not really. It wasn't
2: super duper heavy, but like it,
0: everything said doesn't have to be understood. Like, obviously, man, if you a cop and I'm a cop, I'm going to have your back. Like, I'm going right. to make sure you yeah. good over anybody else
2: so interesting, interesting you know yeah. there was no like
0: i ain't seen no stickers or nothing like that but like not everything understood needs to be said i'll say yeah. that you know what i mean but you know what's i'm gonna tell you what man the cops man they it's a it's 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 a frat man it's it's a gang like it's they definitely rock for each other
1: for better or worse
0: i would say i would say with my department for better or for worse but like there wasn't there wasn't too many too much shady shit going on in my department but i will tell you this in some other departments around our area there was some there's there's some cops that like for real like they they're gonna lie for you they yeah. gonna, you know they're gonna do what you want to do and you hear stories about that stuff and you hear about shady cops or dirty cops um, you know what I mean? You hear rumors of that or what guy to stay away from, what guy is an okay guy, what, what guy you know, it, you know is going to put you in a situation
2: you want to be in. But
0: I never experienced no shady shit like that. I only heard stories about that.
2: No uh, no Serpico-type moments or nothing?
0: No, not really <laughs> for me. No, I, I work with good dudes, but you hear about that stuff.
1: Yeah. Now, that, that actually uh, makes me feel better, you know, hearing that there are good police departments because i try and go into it understanding both sides because it does seem stressful man and like working as as long as police officers do and it seems like for the most part the only interactions that you're having are negative like you're either pulling somebody over giving somebody a ticket it's a lot of negative
0: interaction yo if you want to see how listen man if you want to see how police officers are rocking go to the sacramento you in la right now Go to LAPD The police site and they have a police blotter And what that is Pretty much is it's tweets Of what happened the night before hmm. Or go to tone. You go to Sacramento PD and go to the police blotter And they'll have tweets of, of all the wild Shit that is happening In your area The night before And then you'll be like yo this is some real... This is like war. This is like Afghanistan every night. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I guess, uh, you know, like you was just saying, uh, even what Justin was saying as far as how you're interacting with people, you're not necessarily there on somebody's birthday or a wedding. Like, you're kind of in the world. You're seeing humanity, and it's uh, not necessarily in its best light.
0: Exactly. And, like, for me, that's when I kind of... cause. You know me, Tom, and everybody who does know me knows I'm a super duper positive person. I'm right. I'm the guy that the glass is always half full. So I don't really like seeing niggas in trouble. Like I'm just not the guy that it was him, he did it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's not really my like thing. So yeah. that's when I had to like kind of be that, okay, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me.
2: One thing that was I was interested just to hear from your perspective. The decision to where you figured out that being on the police force wasn't for you, was that was that from the perspective as as a black man and from the perspective of Trey Johnson, um, what were the what just went into um, making that decision? And um, just kind of how would you also talk to someone that still wants to join the police force, um, knowing what you know? So first thing I would do is I would tell them to
0: do their homework, man, do their homework and figure out, you know, if this is a a good fit for you. Um, For me, it wasn't about being black, man. More, More than anything, it was about the fact that I didn't feel like I was making a difference. And as far as, you know, as far as my personality, I really didn't have the right personality to be a police officer. You know what I mean? You have to have a certain type of personality. Like, If you think about all the cops that are really good cops, you got to have a certain certain type of edge to you. You kind of got to be an asshole sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not really. I mean, I'm an asshole, but like, I'm like a different asshole. You know, so just for me, it just didn't fit my personality. Other people, it might fit their personality. They might be good with that, but you got to do your homework first. Do your family academy. Do your ride alongs. Figure out if it's right for you. You know what I mean? And
2: go from there. As far as the people who you arrested, um, how they're not being rehabilitated from a perspective of a cop, um, just because we're actually going to interview someone who went through uh, the prison system. um, What is something that uh, you think could be changed about the prison system from from the perspective of a former cop?
0: Um, I think, man, if you're going to do your time, you do your time. And when you get out, there shouldn't be no marks on your record. Hmm. You know, that. I think that's number one. You should be available to get. Obviously, there's, you know, there's, the, you know, my daddy always says this. There's the exception to the rule, but then there's the rule. So obviously, if you're a rapist and you're raping women and children, we should probably know <laughs> if you're trying to run a daycare.
2: right 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 but
0: if you but if but if you're a non-violent offender who is just selling dope and you want to work at bank of america i don't think that should be held against you
1: yeah that's fair that's fair
0: you got uh, you got a lot of non-violent criminals that are doing the most time
2: that's true that's true um and uh i think that is something that hopefully we can explore as uh Maybe we get more people into the forest, more people in the politics, and maybe actually spark some real change.
0: No, that's real shit, man. And kind of segue into this next point And, you know, um, you guys think about this, too. But um, as far as the Kennedys, hate to say it, the Hiltons, um, the motherfucking the DuPonts, the Coors. We don't really have any powerful black. Families. And I'm not talking about J and B. I'm talking about who have true political power.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, have true political power. There is no black families, you know, that are actually, you know, outside of music and sports like LeBron James and all that. I'm talking power to change the world. You know, power to change. You know, different policies. There is no black families that are doing that. Like the Kennedys, or anything like that.
2: That's something so, that we need to. Uh,
0: so I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all, listeners, we got to start figuring out how we gonna do that. We got to start figuring out, you know, whether you know, and I'm not even saying marry a black woman if that, you know, if you're in love with an Asian or a white or a Mexican woman, do that. But we got to build some powerful, political, politically powerful minority families in the united states if we're gonna last
2: that's that's true that's true well think about uh, it.
0: like can y'all think of any powerful black families in the united states of america
2: outside of the the entertainment industry that you, which you uh, just said um i don't know george washington this george washington carver uh the senate got some money or all them peanut inventions oh, anything shit.
0: No, 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 my nigga.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I I'm, know. I'm trying. I'm trying. No, nah, to... but
0: man, who, who knows? You know, maybe the leaks is coming up. You know, maybe you're the grandpa, and maybe your kids, or Justin, maybe your kids are coming up. You know what I mean? Or hopefully, my kids, and we can start some seriously, you know, powerful black families that can be a catalyst for change in this country.
2: So with that, um, I want to give you a chance to. If you want to shout out anybody, any of your day ones. I mean, Antonio Leach is my day one. Appreciate that. Appreciate that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But anybody else you want to show love to? Man, I I want to show. I'll tell you what, for real, for real. And I don't want to get too corny. But I want to just show love to my pop, um, Harold Johnson. And I want to give a shout out to, um, you know, my grandma, Alma Louise Polk. And I also want to give a shout out to uh, your pop, you know. And, you know, my uncle who raised me, Alfred Roulette, man, we, I was blessed to have a lot of strong black male figures in my life. And man, they were my day ones. And, you know, they're the reason why I am who I am today. And I'm very thankful for that.
2: That's love. That's
1: real.
0: That's real. Oh, and and I'm giving, I'm gonna give a shout out to, uh, to Lindsay. You know, she's a little mad at y'all right now because we supposed to be doing our Taco Tuesday thing and. You know what I mean? She's like, Yo, are you are you done yet? So man, right. shout out to Lindsay too.
2: Well this tell her restaurants don't close until like nine or ten anyway.
0: I was trying to tell her that, but she, she don't care, man. Taco Tuesday, she takes your Taco Tuesday seriously. So shout out to Lindsay too.
1: Shout out to Lindsay Shout out Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, man.
0: I appreciate y'all and we hey we're gonna get together real soon. You guys are always welcome in Denver. You guys always got a place to stay. And if I don't see y'all anytime sooner We'll meet up in Vegas, man. We're going to do this Vegas thing right.
1: Indeed. Indeed. For sure. Hell yeah. All
0: right, man. Well, let me know. If y'all need anything, y'all let me know. All right. For sure. All right. Hey, be well, bro. All right, man. You take care. All right. Later.